Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. That's uh, where we are now. We, uh, <clears throat> Revelation chapter 3, and tonight I want to ask you, you know, if we could think to a time where we felt like things were going good in the church and things were going great in our country, we'd probably think about of a time where uh, things were going good in our country and people were... Uh, behaving, law-abiding people. The streets would be clean, and people would be uh, would sit up straight and and uh, uh, said yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. And uh, I, you know, I, I think about <clears throat> I, I didn't, I wasn't alive during the fifties, but it amazes me how people just uh, seeing pictures and hearing people talk about living in the 50s. Some of y'all probably remember living in the 50s, but it seemed like everywhere people went, they had on suit and tie, had on a hat, uh, looked proper, spoke properly, uh, uh, didn't curse. Uh, The churches were full of people. People were uh, 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 interested in being in church and being a part of of the church, and and uh, things were going good. and And you know, uh, uh, looks can be deceiving, though. Uh, I'm, I'm sure those of you who lived through the 1950s probably know of some pretty. Uh, 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 bad things that probably went on during the 1950s. Uh, uh, the 1950s was when the Korean War started. The 1950s was not too long after World War II uh, had happened. And uh, we, uh, there were some that went straight from the battlefields in Europe to uh, Korea uh, before war was even declared. And Korea was not even really a war. It was a policing action. It was, it was not even uh, deemed as, as being uh, seen as an actual war, which you know, kind of tied the hands of the United States and some of the things that, uh, that we did as a nation in that conflict. Uh, but the 1950s was not the best of times and uh, the rosiest of times. There was a lot of bad things that happened during the 1950s. And uh, we uh, saw a nation that uh, uh, seemed to be as if things were just looking all rosy and nice and everything. And all the while, a lot of things uh, began to happen within our nation that uh, led us further and further away from God. And uh, those things uh, led to uh, decisions a, sh- a few short decades later that, uh, that began uh, a real uh, turning away from God. Uh, and all of that happened during the 1950s when everything was supposed to be all rosy and nice and, and good and, and clean and wholesome. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, something that epitomizes uh, the 1950s is, uh, is milk being delivered to your door. 
Y'all remember when milk was delivered by the milkman to your door? And, and uh, uh, I mean, it, it just seemed like, a, uh, to me, it seems like an amazing thing that, that somebody would come around every day and deliver milk to your door. Preacher, us country folks, we carried the milk from the barn into the kitchen. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> you didn't have somebody come out to your house that came from. Well, I mean, that's the that that that's the freshest route, isn't it? From the barn to the kitchen, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, uh, we we saw a lot of innovations and a lot of things happen in our country, and 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 those things weren't necessarily all good things. Um, uh, and you might ask yourself, well, what does that have to do with uh, Revelation chapter 3? It has a lot to do with Revelation chapter 3. Uh, this is the letter to the church at Sardis. And uh, uh, it, it has to do with the aspect and the idea of things looking good but being bad on the inside. And I, I think, uh, if anything, this letter might relate to the church today more than anything. Read with me in in Revelation chapter 3, and it says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou... um, hast a name, that thou livest and art dead." Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in the white. They are worthy. He that overcometh the, uh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name, out of the book of life. But I will confess His name before my Father and before His angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, first of all, this is Jesus Christ speaking these words. He says that He identifies Himself as uh, uh, He who has the seven spirits above His head and the seven stars. Uh, This is a direct reference to Jesus Christ again. And uh, Jesus says something different in this passage of Scripture. Have you noticed yet what it is? He says, uh, I know thine works and uh, that thou hast a name, uh, that thou livest and art dead. 
He, you know, usually in these, he's been saying things like, uh, I know what you're doing and I know that you're aware, I'm aware of, of uh, the good things that you've done. And he, uh, there, there are times that he's, uh, a couple of times that he said, I, I, I know the things that you're doing and, and I want to encourage you. And then a couple of times he says, I know what you're doing, uh, but I have a few things against you. But this time he doesn't say that. He says, I know what you've done and you have a name and you're living, but you're dead. He says you're, uh, it's, it's similar to uh, 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 you look like you're alive, but you're really dead. He, he says, uh, in essence, he's saying you, you're put on a good face. You put on a, a good show. You, you act as though everything, and this is, this is the problem that's, that's going on in a lot of churches today. You, you go around as, as if you're acting, as if everything's okay. You go up to somebody when you visit them in church, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. All the while, you've been complaining all day long about all the bad things that are going on in your life, all the things that you don't uh, like what's happening. You, you talk about all the, the issues that are uh, plaguing you and all the problems that you're having. And then when somebody says, well, how are you doing? Well, I, I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. Or, or uh, here's what the pastor hears a lot of times. As a pastor, I've preached sermons about things and, and people come out of the church after church and say, uh, you know, that was a real good sermon. You really uh, let them have it. <laughs> you let everybody else have it. They all needed to hear it, but boy, me, I'm doing fine. Um, and, you know, maybe we can do something about doing some things to change them. And that's the idea. Uh, you know, don't talk about sin to me. I'm not the one sinning. It's all them other people. I'm doing fine. Maybe we can get those people to do better, to act right. Me, I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. You let them have it. You let them have it. You, t- you just stomped on their feet, didn't you, this time, preacher? I'm glad you were able to tell them what for. Don't, don't t- uh, the idea is, hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing all great. You know, it's an amazing thing. We, we're, talk- we're a church of those who've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you talk to people, there's not a one of them that will admit to anything they've been redeemed of. We're supposed to have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, but oh, don't talk to me about any sin. I'm not one of them that sin. Oh yeah? The church at Sardis, they acted as if everything, as if they were alive, but they're actually dead inside. And Jesus says, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that thou art ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Jesus says, look, you know, you need to get some things right. You need to get some things changed. Be watchful and strengthen the things that he says, look, there's just but a little bit. We're living in a day and age when the church is hanging on by a thread. We want to act as if everything's okay. Jesus says we've got to hold on to the little that's left and we need to change and be ready to change or else we're going to die. And if we don't change, we will die. He says, look, the way we are now, 
He says, I've looked at your works and you're ready to die. Now, your works before God aren't perfect. Remember, therefore, what thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. This is one of those churches in uh, the ten that Jesus addresses that, that He said, uh, or the seven uh, churches. He says, this is one of the churches you, you need to change. You need to transform your life. You need to, to, to move back to a right relationship with God. So who are the people of the church at Sardis? Sardis was a major city that was located 40 miles southwest of Thyatira and 45 miles east of Smyrna. Uh, for those of you who are plotting these churches along the map, along with me. Uh, it's the capital of the kingdom of uh, Lydia, and it was the seat of wealthy Croesus. And so it was a, a place that was very wealthy. And this, this city had great wealth. In fact, the city was built on its uh, business and gold and fine um, metals. And it was, uh, they, in fact, they were a, uh, people were able to mine gold from the river that went through the city. And it was also well known for woven textiles. And they had a lot of prosperity as a result of uh, uh, another aspect, and that was that it was along uh, two trade routes. And so, and it was at the end of the Royal Road. So uh, it, there was a lot of trade that came through. There was a lot of tradesmen that did trade along in that city. They had a lot of uh, wealth coming in from the gold and a lot of wealth coming in from the uh, the people who worked in the textile industry. And so it was a uh, wealthy place. In fact, Sardis was also a place in which uh, there was the largest synagogue. So uh, this was a place that w had a lot of Jewish believers, a lot of uh, Jewish people that, uh, that were worshiping there in that location. And as I said, you know, you you think of of a place that has everything going for it. It, it had uh, the streets were well kept. The uh, the city works was able to make sure that that the sweet, uh, streets were swept and kept clean. There was no potholes in Sardis. Let me tell you, everything was going good. They had lots of money coming in. They had all kinds of of great benefits to being in this uh, location. And they uh, this city was a, a location that. Had had a lot of believers. Now, uh, how? Why is it that they had a lot of uh, of Jews there uh, going to the synagogue that made that synagogue so big? Well, the re uh, reason was is that um, uh, you had a lot of factors that that went into that, and one of the factors was is that um, the. Uh, uh, those who were of the Jewish tradition and, and followed Judaism were seen as having an approved religion into the Roman government. Now you have to remember all of this is couched in the understanding that, uh, that Israel is a part, a, pro, uh, a part of the Roman Empire. Now in the Roman Empire, if you were worshiping uh, some uh, god uh, that was not approved, 
uh, under the Roman government, then uh, you could be drug out uh, into the street and executed by a Roman soldier. But if you were worshiping in a manner and uh, in a religion that was recognized by Rome, such as the Jews were, uh, because and they were recognized by Rome because of the fact of the age of their uh, Jewish religion. The, uh, the Judaism was considered to be an ancient uh, tradition even in this day and age of uh, the Israelites under the Roman rule. And because of the uh, age of Judaism and because of the fact that it was a uh, ancient uh, religion uh, led credence to the people of the, the Roman government. And so the Roman government recognized Judaism as, as a religion that they approved of. And so as a result, uh, they were recognized by Rome and uh, there was a great uh, freedom in worshiping Judaism because of the fact that it was a recognized tradition uh, in a recognized religion in Rome. And Christianity, as long as it was seen as a an offshoot of Judaism and as long as it was associated with Judaism, it was uh, Christianity was tolerated as well. Uh, it wasn't until uh, the Jew, uh, the Jewish leaders began to say, no, oh, wait a minute, these, these people, the Christians, they're a sect. There are people uh, that are going a different way than Judaism. It wasn't until then that, that Jews began to, I mean, Christians began to have uh, a persecution from Rome. And so uh, as long as Christians were associated with Judaism, uh, uh, they were uh, protected under that uh, same understanding of of. Uh, uh, Judaism being accepted and an accepted uh, religion. Christ here, uh, the speaker, is uh, saying to these Christians who are in this place where everything looks neat and nice. Uh, listen, I, I uh, for six, seven years, Robin and I lived in Dallas-Fort Worth out in Texas while I went to school. Uh, there were places in Fort Worth that I went to work uh, while I was a student in seminary that uh, I felt afraid to, to drive uh, through those areas at night just simply because it was that rough, that difficult. And, and I, uh, which didn't help with the fact that I uh, worked a shift that ended at 11 o'clock at night. So it didn't help too much. And it helped even less that sometimes uh, uh, our, we were down to one car. And being down to one car is not that bad in certain circumstances. But in, in Texas, everything is far apart. Everything is just, they've got so much land out there that, that everything is just so far spread out. And uh, it's nothing for people to get in the car out in Texas and drive uh, 30, 40 minutes on the interstate to get to uh, a grocery store or to go out to a movie or to have dinner or to go to work or uh, they'll work an hour away. Uh, they'll go from one end of uh, the metropolitan area to the other end of the metropolitan area and it take an hour every day. They'll drive an hour to work and an hour home. And it's no big deal because that's just how things are. Everything's so spread out. And uh, in fact, a lot of people will get on the interstate just to go 
anywhere. I mean, they they live close to the interstate. They get on the interstate. They get on it, and you can get anywhere real quick by getting on the interstate. So you get on the interstate, and in a few minutes you get off, and you go to the grocery store or whatever. Um, uh, but there were places that uh, you could be in that really bad area of Fort Worth, and then get on the uh, get in your car and be on the interstate for a couple of minutes and be in one of the most affluent areas of Dallas and uh, have some of the uh, nicest communities and neighborhoods. Uh, at Christmas time, we would get in the car and go over to those uh, those communities and we'd go driving through their neighborhoods because they'd put out all the lights and all the decorations and, and we would just drive through those areas because they were so nice and, and you could see the manicure cured lawns and the and the houses that were just decorated to the nines and and it was just an amazing thing to uh, to go see and and it just looked like in those communities those neighborhoods where everybody was was wealthy and had loads of money you, you just thought everything was perfect in those communities and of course, in the communities where everything was was falling apart and ter- uh, where it was really low income, you thought everything was just awful. But that's looking on the outside. Sardis was one of those communities where uh, everybody was wealthy, everybody had a lot of money, and er- er- things were going great, and everything looked great. And Jesus is saying, I know the real condition of your heart. The streets might be cleaned. Everything might be looking perfect. You might have a McMansion. You might have one of those uh, really huge houses with a a big yard and everything might uh, appear to be nice, but inside, everything's spoiled and falling apart. It's like having a home that has had uh, the siding put up. But underneath the the beautiful siding that makes the house look uh, nice and neat and perfect, the wood's all rotted out and everything's falling apart. Jesus here is encouraging them to wake up before it's too late. He says to those uh, who will listen, He says, wake up, repent. He says because I'm going to come. And when I do come, I'll come like a thief in the night. He says, I'm going to come and you need to wake up before it's too late. For those who refuse to wake up, He says, I will come in and I will steal into your community and I will uh, conquer those uh, who will not Wake up. He says, but those who will, those who conquer, those who uh, will change their ways, he says, I'm going to reward. Uh, Listen to what he says. I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even uh, in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall uh, walk with me in white. He says, for those who will listen, those who haven't defiled themselves, those who will uh, uh, walk upright and do what is needs to happen. He says, I, you, you're going to walk with me in white. Now, uh, this is, uh, we think about, 
all the old images of heaven we thought we uh we think about the image of of exchanging our garments for for white robes and it's to signify the purity of what god's done for us and really uh uh, uh we ought to think about uh robes that are uh uh, dripping with uh, the blood of Jesus Christ because that's the image that really that we should have is, is the image of being covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. But uh, he says here, uh, for those who uh, will be rewarded, they'll be walking with me in white. This is an image of victory. Uh, the conquering... Uh, um, Emperor or the conquering uh, general would usually parade through the conquered community and he'd be in a white toga and he would wear white as a sign of victory. And Jesus is saying, I'll give you a sign of victory being clothed in white and you will walk with me. And he says, uh, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out, blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father. This is something specifically written to the church at Sardis because one of the uh, practices in this area, in this community, was is that anyone who was uh, executed as an enemy of... Uh, uh, the uh, the state anybody who was uh, executed by Rome uh, their names would be uh, blotted out of the citizenship rolls and that's the book that uh, that was mentioned here uh, the book of life is something that we're all familiar of hearing uh, hearing about and <coughs> but in these Greek city states of Rome. When you were born, you would have your name written into a registry, a, name, a, a list of names of all the people who lived within that area. And if you were ever were uh, convicted of a crime and, and executed, uh, your name, you not only were dead, but you also had your name removed as if you never lived within that community. Um, uh, so Jesus is saying, if you uh, uh, overcome, if you repent, if you uh, remain pure and, and uh, right with God, if you uh, return and, and uh, get your life right with God, not, uh, not only will you walk with God in white, but your name will not be blotted out. Uh, but you will uh, have your name remembered before the Father. And he says, He that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Father has to say. So this is definitely a warning to the church. And this is a warning to the church at Sardis that they need to, to get their life straightened out. They need to, to start acting as if there's something that needs to... Jesus doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't try and encourage them. He says right off the bat, look, you're, you, you are dead inside and you need to change. Your, uh, your works are not perfect before God. Your, your works are, are awful. And He says you need to change. The church today needs to take a hard look 
at ourselves and ask ourselves, are we acting like the church at Sardis? Are we putting on a good show, acting as if everything's okay on the outside? Oh, come and join with us. We're, we're just one big happy family. We love each other. Everything's good. And then underneath, we're fighting and bickering with one another, being resentful towards one another, holding each other uh, in anger, and we're dying inside, and things are just not where we need to be. Jesus says we need to repent. We need to turn away from uh, the evil that is within us. We need to turn back to Him and hold fast to His Word. Repent before it's too late. And so often we want to just keep going on and on as if everything's okay. Acting as if everything's just perfectly fine. But all along, we're dead inside. Is that us? Is that our church? Oh, we don't want to admit that. The problem is, is not how we appear before each other, but whether or not Jesus will come back and deem us not worthy. Dead inside. Are we dead inside? Do we need to repent of the things that we've done? Jesus says, I'm coming back as a thief in the night. Do we need to do to repent before it's too late? Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise You for the warnings of Your Holy Word. and Father God, we pray that You'd help us to have a deep, introspective, Uh, look into our life. Lord, help us to see if there's something within us that's just rotting away that needs to be dealt with. Lord, help us to repent. Help us turn back to You. Help us to to hold on fast to the, the teachings that You've given us. Lord, help us to right our ways. Lord, help us to be the kind of people that You'd have us to be, to, to be the church that's not just simply looks good on the outside. Lord, help us, Lord, to be a church that is vibrant and full of life on the inside as well. Help us to be the place where we don't just simply say that we care about others, but that we actually put that into action. Now, Lord, help us not to be the kind of place that just simply says that we're close to You, but Lord, that we actually do spend time in the Word, that we are disciples of Jesus Christ, that we are people who care about those who are lost, that do everything that we can to reach out to those who are in need of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be the kind of church that that uh, that sees people with your eyes, that loves people with your heart, that speaks to people with your voice. Lord, help us to be the kind of place that that cares about people with your love. Lord, help us to be the people that you want us to be the church that You desire for us to be. Lord, help us to have ears that we might hear Your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.